okay, if the end times is now, mm-hmm. let us live in such a way that they look at the church and say, oh my gosh, those Christians are loving each other like crazy. <laughs> I want some of that. Like, Well, welcome everybody for another edition of Behind the Sermon. We've got uh, Dan O, and we've got Carl down here. And Carl is our expert on the book of Revelation. Uh-oh. He was like going on and on before with Daniel, and I had to kind of settle him down a little bit. So we'll we'll be appealing to Carl quite a bit today. Mm-hmm. And, um, so anyway, we're we're going to entertain a couple questions that came in. We're going to um, also just I'm going to have these guys weigh in on how the book of Revelation is impacting them so far, what they're learning about. Uh, themselves about the Lord through our study and that type of thing. So that, that's what we're going to do. So uh, let's get started. Let's start with this, though. Let's start. Daniel, why don't you start and just talk about generally how this book is having an impact on you, yeah. what you're learning, what what what's uh, you know particularly intersecting with your life. Yeah, I think as both as I was preparing for those first few churches, and then as we've been going through each of each of these churches, I, it just hit so close to home. It feels pretty heavy to me. Mm-hmm. I've honestly found myself feeling somewhat grieved a little bit mm-hmm. about just where in my own life I feel like there's places where I've maybe been lulled into complacency a little bit. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> and so I, I just think Jesus has a much grander vision of what it looks like to be part of his church and what it means to be a child of God. And so I think on one hand, it um, it's, it's kind of encouraging mm-hmm. <laughs> because I know that he, he's the one that does it. Mm-hmm. And I love that he doesn't just leave me where I'm at yeah. or leave us as his church where we're at. Um, but it, uh, I think, I think more than anything, I've been, I've been feeling kind of uh, emotional about, just my own life, and, and I think just even the the church in general. Obviously, like I know our culture best, and so that's kind of my point of reference when I think about the church. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just think we it it reveals some things that I think that we tend to miss, or yeah. things that we tend to care a lot about that doesn't show up anywhere. It's not on Jesus's mind at all, mm-hmm. and we make a really big deal about it. And then there's other things that we aren't thinking about at all. Mm-hmm. And G- those are like the first things that he says. Yeah. And so I, that's, that's been a, a big, um, that's kind of been a big thing going on in my heart is just, yeah, honestly, like a little bit of a, a sadness, a little bit of a grief mm-hmm. just for seeing the reality. And again, not, not anywhere from a place of judgment, from a place of also culpability in that for myself. But I just want to, I think I just want to lean in and, I, th- I think for me, the thing that I've been feeling more than anything else is I just, I've been kind of coming back and reading through these mm-hmm. pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Just because I don't, I think it's really easy to feel something, feel some conviction from the Holy Spirit as you're in His Word, and then to move on too quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I really want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to just see that information I don't want just the the conviction to hit me in a in an intellectual way, but I really want to see some change happen in my life. So I'm just continuing to come back and ask the Lord, what is it? Um, you know, what are the places that you want to 
change and shift in me and that kind of stuff. So yeah. that's that's really what's been hitting me a lot. Yeah, so good. Mm-hmm. And thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Carl? Yeah. Yeah. One that that totally aligns with what I've been thinking. I think I shared a little bit on the last pod about kind of how it's been hitting me as well. But just to kind of speak to it in a different way, we know that God really cares about the heart, mm-hmm. right? Like the the uh, rebukes he gave to the Pharisees. They were doing all these outwardly right things, but their hearts were off. Yeah. Um, even in the book of, what is it, First Samuel with David, right? Mm-hmm. Like God, mm-hmm. or man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so... One thing that I'm seeing in, in these like early books of Revelation is God is calling out a lot of these actions and a lot of these things that these churches are doing. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes that's because our actions reveal what's inside of us. Mm-hmm. I think, I'm forgetting where this is, but um, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So mm-hmm. what we say, what we do really reveals a lot about where our heart is at. I've just been recognizing in myself like how... Um, sometimes I use the, um, uh, saved by grace thing as license Mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm so quick to go to grace when I mess up because of my own shame that it, I actually, um, miss out on what Paul talks about in first Thessalonians or second Thessalonians that, um, like, I'm not glad that you were grieved, but I am glad that that godly grief brought you to repentance, mm-hmm. you know, and like we miss out on that a lot of times because we're just like, oh, no, it's, I'm okay. No, I'm like grace. Right, right. And I, yeah. it's crazy how quickly that can snowball. And then it's mm-hmm. like, wow, I'm making license for these sins in my heart. Mm-hmm. I've really lost the heartbeat of God on this. Yeah. And I really don't want to be rebuked like this mm-hmm. in the end. And so seeing these warnings is really um, an invitation, I feel like, to me to kind of hear the Lord on my behalf, just Mm -hmm. to be like, all right, Lord, like, I want to learn from other people's mistakes, Mm -hmm. right? Like, my dad always used to say that to me, like, learn from my mistakes, don't make the mistakes of your own. And so it's an opportunity to be like, okay, Lord, I want to I do want to repent of these things before this sin grows and matures and brings me to death. So um, for me, it's been uh, just a reminder and and honestly a positive, like almost encouragement to be like, okay, Lord, like you're going to give me what I need Mm -hmm. to follow you as you're calling me higher into Mm -hmm. holiness, into these things that you actually care about, Mm -hmm. these heart level things that produce the fruit of righteousness. You can tell a tree by its fruit. Yeah. And so, God, would you bear good fruit in my life? Man, yeah, thank you. I, um, the, the, this repeated phrase in five of the seven churches, I know your works, um, that have really been impactful for me. And kind of what you're saying, Carl, because so much of our theology, rightfully so, is based on grace. We're nothing apart from God's grace. We absolutely need him to be totally merciful, totally choosing to be patient with us and all those things. Yet um, in in Revelation 1, when he begins to, when John begins to see the Lord, one of the things is he has these eyes that see right through Mm. us. 
and what he sees, and oftentimes in, the, in these seven letters, he, he's pointing out, these are the works that I see. And I think, like you're saying, Daniel, like, oh, I was thinking other things. Uh, yeah, I know that's a reality. I just really don't want to think about that. Right. Um, and so I am, I think maybe in some ways my pra- practical walk with, with the Lord is being uh, filled in a little bit by that phrase, I know your works, Joe. I know your works, church. Um, works are really important to him. Even though we are saved by grace, right. we're saved by grace so that we can produce these good works. Right. And the works are that fruit that we can, that's what, that, those are areas that we can measure, mm-hmm. that we can think about how we're doing, whereas it's hard to measure grace. Right. Right. But we can measure that. And, and that's what I feel like the Lord is doing that for individuals in the church. He's saying, look, I know your works. And, uh, you know, and oftentimes they'll say, you got to come back and get from me by my grace what you need for these works um, because you're not doing a good job. It's like, oh, so, you know, we have this both um, excitement, joy, hope, but we also have this heaviness that the Lord says, look, I'm giving you responsibility. There is a judgment mm-hmm. on your behavior. Um, saved by grace, absolutely. And so, I think that's really good for us, maybe in the evangelical world where we do focus on saved by grace a lot, rightfully so. Um, so that's what that's the impact practically this study is having mm-hmm. on me. That and um, just expanding my uh, vision um, of who Jesus Christ is mm-hmm. by the imagery. It's like, oh my goodness, you are so... There's so much more to you than what I have in my nice, neat, you know, so far study of scripture box. Um, And I, I, that stirs me in some really cool ways um, that that I, I, I don't know, I'm appreciating. So um, we're about ready to shift now in our study this Sunday morning. Chad will be starting to work on Revelation 4. I don't know if he'll go into 5. We're going to, you know, begin to talk about the 24 elders and how they're just falling down and... Uh, we're going to talk about the lamb and the lion. Uh, we're going to talk about who's worthy to really open up the revelation, the right. seal, you know, and begin to unveil things that are connected to the past and also present with the people reading that, but also future things. So we're, right. we're about ready to transition, and I'm excited about that. I'm also, yeah. my, my flesh is also like, okay, there's going <laughs> to, and my theology. My theology is probably going to be, you know, challenged. Um, so right. I don't know. It's it's a for those reasons I'm excited about yeah. the, the study. I'm grateful that we're we're doing it. Um, so why don't we wrestle with a couple of these questions, and we can come back to something else if we want to later. But the first question is: um, Will there be any critical examination of the quote last two hundred years years theory in referencing it? This way, repeatedly, it sounds as though it is quickly trying to it is quickly trying to be dismissed without argument, rather than it being a possible interpretation of the Bible's prophetic landscape on top of how the original readers would have read Revelation. Yeah, it, it's a fair question because we are very intentionally 
not, um, we've chosen not to plop on our study of the scriptures, a dispensational view of, of this text. We don't have anything necessarily against uh, that particular uh, set of, you know, theological lens or, or hermeneutical lens. Um, however, we're not going to argue against it. Um, we are encouraging people to study um, all sorts of authors, you know, um, get into, you know, YouTube teaching, whatever you want to do, you know, on whatever theological, uh, you know, stance uh, that the author has on the book of Revelation. We're just not going to particularly camp on any one. We're trying to do our best at letting the scripture teach us. Right. We're learning. Um, and so we're not against, we're not arguing against, we're just intentionally not using one particular lens to think about the book of Revelation. So fair question. Um, and so stay tuned. We're, we're not intentionally going to stay away from passages that might come at cross angles with what we think. We're going to wrestle with those. And um, I, I think, um, I was talking to Chad before we uh, did this podcast, um, we're not saying that that is a wrong interpretation of Scripture, a dispensational, a pre-trib, pre-mill. You know, we're not saying that that's wrong. We're just saying that's been so much part of the, the, the information that we've received these last several decades that we want to come at it at a little bit different angle, hopefully to help us fill in some of our own personal theology and our practical, you know, life uh, in Christ. Yeah. So, so that's what we're doing. Any other way that you would... Speak yeah, I would just <clears throat> I would just say you know we've we've used the word hermeneutic before. You're using the yeah. word lens. Yeah, um, I think we're trying to, like you said, I think we're trying to be as as neutral as possible. Part of the reason we've given everybody a uh, journal of Revelation so that they can do their own study. Mm -hmm. Right. And we what we're trying to do on Sunday morning is dive into the the particular text, what it says. Um, and and specifically as we get more into the the a lot more of the the imagery kind of the apocalyptic imagery mm -hmm. um, chapters we're going to be looking at what is where how where is this imagery coming from and trying to connect it uh, across scripture not necessarily um, make it talk to or speak to one specific hermeneutic that people might take so like you mentioned dispensational. Um, but any different hermeneutic that people might take, I think primarily what we're trying to do is just look at how does this, how does the imagery connect across scripture? And, and, um, and yeah, I think we are asking the question, how would the original readers of this, uh, of this letter, how would they have received it? And I think those are kind of the main lenses that we're bringing to it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I think generally that is the most faithful. Now, Again, you can get you. There's a lot of smart people that have spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff and can go. They, they'll go way more in depth mm -hmm. than we're going to go on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. So that would be if if people are interested to go to that level, um, they can do a little more study on their mm -hmm. own. Yeah, yeah. Carl, what do, what do you hope? You know, when you think about college students that you're ministering to, discipling, what what do you do you have kind of an idea? Maybe you've already hearing some of I know that you talked last time in the podcast. Um, what are you hoping, maybe in your own life, but also in the people's lives that you directly are discipling, happens as a result of studying 
uh, this this book and yeah yeah so I and it kind of goes along with I guess this thought that I've had um, about the Book of Revelation mm-hmm. like there like genuinely um, because of how divisive it is mm-hmm. because of how confusing it can be because of how it has tended toward a lot of um, conspiracy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> over the years, mm-hmm. I have asked the question, God, why? Like, why Revelation? And, and truthfully, for my own reading, I have really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I have really loved it. Gosh, like Revelation 2021, 20, so helpful for understanding like our eternal destiny, yeah. right? No yeah. more tears will be crying, right? Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. like, we will be present with the Lord. We'll be on the new heaven and the new earth, right? So God will make everything right, everything new. It gives a lot of perspective for our life and what it is to be. But I guess what I'm hoping for my students is that they don't get sidetracked with all of these, oh, is this this? Mm-hmm. Is this that? Mm-hmm. Like, are we, and, and trying to really bring it into this present age, the, the reason why I feel that, and I know I, you know, maybe, I, I really hope I'm not really offending a ton of people with this, because I know that that is something a lot of people like to do, is guess the times and ages, but the reality is when, in Jesus' day, when the Pharisees were looking at their scriptures and at their prophecies, they were horribly wrong. These guys had the best hermeneutic, had the best schooling, and they were like, yeah, the Messiah is going to come. He is going to conquer whatever captors we have. Mm-hmm. And they absolutely miss the Son of God. Yeah, yeah, wow. And so in the same way, I, you know, it's funny. I, I look up these YouTube videos, and I, I see people commenting about uh, Revelation, how we're in the, the end times, the last days. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. we are. Peter even said that like in his, in his letters, right? In these last days. And so it's, so to me, it's less about guessing the times, even in Matthew and Jesus talks about how like the last days and, and the things to come. He eventually says, you know, the time is not for angels to know. It's not for me, Jesus to know. It's only for the father to know. Mm -hmm. And then later he says, it's going to come like a thief in the night. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I'm like, I, the, the, that to me, if the son of God says the time is not for him to know it's going to come as a thief in the night, the book of Revelation then, authored by the word, mm-hmm. probably isn't to give us some level of certainty that now is the day or this is the day, you know, like 1992 reasons why 1992 is the time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. I just don't want us to miss what God has for us to grow, to learn to be sanctified by trying to guess the times and the seasons when it's going to come like a thief in the night. Mm -hmm. To me, Revelation is a call to the things that that God cares about, right? Like we're reading with these churches, Mm -hmm. a holy call. It is an encouragement that look at what is to come. We have this Messiah who is going to come, who is going to make all things right, and then who is going to make everything new. Mm-hmm. So this incredible hope, and to say, hey, live ready. Mm-hmm. 
not just like when all of these things conspire, be ready, live ready. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just hoping that my students are able to see that, Mm -hmm. to be called higher, to be encouraged, and then to live ready. And to not try to get all mangled with this, that, or the other thing. Yeah, I appreciate that. And and which kind of then um, affirms our approach to the study of Revelation. We're intentionally wanting to learn from all sorts of sources and and read all sorts of commentaries on what text might mean. But we don't want to get lost in the weeds. Right. We want to, you know, we want to keep... I think what Jesus wants us to keep in mind is where we're going. Right. That's our hope that really causes us today to want to live godly lives and really want to you know, be a representative for him in our families and in our neighborhoods. Uh, those types of things are way more important to me, to the Holy Spirit, to the Word of God, than arguing about, gosh, what's the interpretation or is this the right... You know, Not that we can't have good conversations about that, but I hope we keep the main things the main things, right. though in it. And that's what I hear you saying. And that, right. that, mm-hmm. I think that's what we want as pastors. That's what we want as family pa- parents for our children. Um, we don't want everybody to get all caught up in the weeds and argue about stuff that yeah. really brilliant people have argued about for centuries. Let's keep our eye on the prize. Let's, let's be ready. I think that's the repeated thing that Jesus yeah. says in the gospels when he talks about end times, particularly. Um, so yeah, that, I, I appreciate that. Hey, the second question is this: How um, would we take Daniel nine twenty seven and Matthew twenty four fifteen in relation to how the temple was approached in the May twenty eighth sermon? So uh, Chad's not here, so Chad, and Chad preached that sermon, um, but he talked about the temple of God and he tried to give a biblical landscape. On that, he ended in the last chapter of Revelation, where it, it where the, the scriptures talk about Jesus Christ is the temple of God. So that's where we're going, um, and so there's a lot of conversation, debate, interpretation about do we need a physical temple in Jerusalem necessary before all of these things can take place. That's kind of the the crossroads of the question um, that this this person is asking, um, and so, uh, do you mind reading? Do you have do you have that uh, Daniel nine twenty seven, and then um, Daniel, if you'd read Matthew twenty four sure. fifteen. So let's let's yep. get those texts, you know, read and kind of out in front of us, and then let's <clears throat> let's think together a little bit on that. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. Daniel nine twenty seven says. He will make a firm covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and offerings. And the abomination of desolation will be, a, will be on a wing of the temple until the decreed destruction is poured out on the desolator. Okay, great. And then the Matthew 24 passage. Yeah, so Jesus is actually referencing that <clears throat> where he says, um, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, and just to continue to give a little more context, um, it says, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. Uh, a man on the housetop must not come down to get things out of his house, and a man in the field must not go back to get his coat. Um, and then it, ta- you know, it kind of goes on. It's kind of these woes and that kind of stuff. And so Jesus is kind of 
pre- pre- predicting a kind of a pretty tough time is essentially yeah yeah so and so uh, w- one of the things that we know because of we live on this side of AD 70 that some of the things that, that Jesus was predicting in Matthew 24 happened in AD 70 when Rome came in and and really desolated the, the right. temple and and you know Herod's temple is gone at that point mm-hmm. that, that the temple that Herod built is gone um, Jerusalem is demolished everybody's scattered and so part of what Matthew 24 is is a prophecy that happened in the time or close to the time of most of those apostles and believers. So, so that's being referred to. But he refers back to Daniel chapter 9 as well. And so, you know, one of the, the, the Bible interpreter needs to think through, okay, what in Daniel 9 is referring to AD 70 and what is beyond? And, and yeah. there's probably both. There, there's, <laughs> there's more to it. Um, and so Chad's approach to this question in that May 28th uh, was to get a, a little bit of a landscape on the temple. There's Old Testament tabernacle. There's temple built by Solomon. That's destroyed. There's another temple finally built by Herod. Um, that's destroyed. And then, and then uh, paralleling that with Jesus' teaching on the temple in, under the New Covenant, he would be the temple of God and that he would give us the spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, and that both in 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6, and that we individuals or collectively, because the pronoun in chapter 6 is individual, the pronoun in chapter 3 is, is plural. So we are the temple of God, the body of Christ. And then he also referred to 1 Peter chapter 2 when Peter talks about we're all like living stones, and together we form the temple of God for the presence and the worship of God to take place. And so, so Chad is trying to, you know, pan back on the scriptures and see how how that whole idea of temple has has unpacked. And so, it's difficult then to really be sure. I, I at least I think. Um, in what I heard Chad say, it's hard to be sure that there's, there needs to be a physical temple like we think of it, especially because the book of Revelation oftentimes is, is referring and mixing and mashing Old Testament truths, and then, and then, but also it's giving us all this imagery. Um, and, then when, and then where Chad in, ended this section of his uh, sermon on May 28th, uh, was was on this passage in um, chapter, what is it, chapter 21. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, he was like, he's... He, He's okay. So his answer is yes, there could be a physical temple, but where this is all going is back to, I think, the image that Jesus began to unfold and, and unfolded and completed, that the temple is really changing. The temple is no longer necessarily a physical place and ultimately not a physical place, but a people, and particularly him. Um, and so that that's, um, at least that's what I heard him mm-hmm. saying, um, yeah, and 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 again, that's that's typical of the approach we're going to try to take. Uh, we, we don't want to read too much into the segments that we're going to get into when it talks about the temple and the desolation that will be established there, the abomination that will be established there. Um, how much of that is physical? Is it possible? Yes. 
Um, Chad referred, I think, last podcast and in his message to the red heifer mm-hmm. thing, and, and you can go back and, and, and listen to him again on that a little bit. But um, so, so we're kind of holding that, some of that stuff loosely because the Scripture doesn't really make us land on that. It's there, so right. we want to pay attention to it, but not too much attention to right. a particular passage out of the context of all of Scripture. Yeah. Right. Anything else you guys would add to that? Yeah, I think it just, again, it just speaks to the, the hermeneutic that we're trying to bring is we're not trying to be uh, specifically dismissive of anything that could be a biblical, um, you know, a biblical way of looking at this. So, you know, emphasizing a physical temple, that could, ap- that could absolutely be a, a supported by Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think maybe, maybe where some people are getting a little you know, tripped up sometimes, because I think generally when people preach through Revelation, they are dismissive of every other view, and they take a really strong stance on their particular hermeneutic. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes because we're not doing that, we're trying to give, like, yeah, there, 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 absolutely, there is a physical temple reality, especially in the Old Testament, maybe in the future as well. Um, but also, we very certainly see the temple was a um, was something that God was setting up to show His plan. Just like you see in in the book of Hebrews, like that the author is redefining so much of the Old Testament to mm-hmm. show that was about Jesus. Mm-hmm. That was about Jesus. And in the, in Revelation, the temple was about Jesus. You know, so like all of right. these things, it's like um, <clears throat> that that is very clear in scripture. So we'll emphasize that a lot mm-hmm. and not necessarily be dismissive of these other things. We're just not going to take a hard stance like and this is and this is it and everything else is right. out of out of bounds. Right. There are a lot of things that I think fall within good, you know, can fall within a good lens that when you're when you're approaching the scriptures, but we're I think because we're being more open-handed, it feels like we're being dismissive. When I'd say generally most of the time I think other people will land more firmly on a hermeneutic and then be dismissive of everything else. So right. that I, I think that's that's a bit of the nuance here. Mm-hmm. So we're, I, I think we're I think we're very open to um, to things like you know a, a reality of a physical temple being reestablished and stuff like yeah that could absolutely happen. Right. Um, but for sure, it says that Jesus is the temple. I mean, like it, that's for sure. That's where it ends. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. That, that, and it's. I do think it's helpful, um, as a general rule, to look through the through the passages in Genesis one through three, mm-hmm. when we think about biblical interpretation and application, all of that, as well as look through the through the end of the the story, and and then really let those things be bookends, as it were, to help us really think about what's most important, significant, and even how to understand some things because it's going to be in light of where it all began and God's initial plan and how it was ruined and what's happened since Genesis 3 all the way through Revelation and where it's going to end. Uh, Obviously, Jesus being the thread through the entire thing. I think that's a helpful way to have a hermeneutic to have a, a, a lens to think about Scripture and what it means. And, and, and I think that's what Chad was trying to do um, yeah. in the Matthew tw- or the May 28 pass, um, sermon. So did mm-hmm. you have something else? Yeah, no, I, I 
completely agree with what you guys are saying. We're going to hold it lightly. And I would even just say, like, as we approach topics like this, as we, as we broach these subjects, which, because we're in the very beginning, we got a lot mm-hmm. more to go. Mm-hmm. Um, do some research, do some studying, read a commentary, and develop some, you know, points of view. Mm-hmm. Please, please mm-hmm. do that. We're not mm-hmm. saying don't do that, right? Yeah. You can totally do that, but but the most important thing to to me, and I think to all of us, is that whatever um, conclusions you are drawing, please let them continue to give you a desire for loving other people, loving God, and oh. doing good works. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. don't don't let these things become strongholds or even just obsessions that you give all of yourself to mm-hmm. right like every like scripture is breathed out by god useful for teaching correcting equipping for righteousness so that the person of god is ready for every good Indeed. work yeah. Yeah, and so this is scripture this is breathed out by god mm. this should equip us for good work mm. and so it's not like get in the bunker or oh yep i see it on the news like the time is now if if that is what you think yes let that lead you to loving people radically mm-hmm. yeah. they will know we are christians by the way that we love each other yeah. Lo- love your brothers better your sisters better like give your effort and your energy to that continue mm-hmm. to show people who jesus is in the way that we live the way that we speak like that it that is okay if the end times is now mm-hmm. Let us live in such a way that they look at the church and say, oh my gosh, those Christians are loving each other like crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want some of that. Like, mm-hmm. there is something about this Jesus. Mm-hmm. So whatever conclusions we draw, I just want to be careful to make sure that it drives me to the heart of Jesus, oh. which is loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving other people, mm-hmm. loving my neighbors. Mm-hmm. Wow, we, we just got a, a mic drop right there. Mic drop. <laughs> I, mean, uh, yeah. I won't drop it, Josh, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, so thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks after a couple more sermons. Uh, please do send in your questions. Let us uh, wrestle with those things. Uh, thanks for listening in. Thanks, Luke.